Rita Papaki is one of the first instances of missing and murdered Indigenous women experienced by the Meskwaki Nation, also known as the Sac and Fox Tribe of the Mississippi in Iowa. She was 41 years old when she vanished in January 2015 after she was seen leaving the Meskwaki Bingo Casino Hotel in Tama, Iowa, and she has not been seen or heard from since. This is the story of Rita Papaki. Hey guys, this is Ash. This is Shiashi. This is Maggie, and you're listening to We Are Resilient. So, hello, my fellow Indigenous creatures. Um, <laughs> what do you guys think about this whole Indigenous creatures thing that's going on? I mean, now that we speak in person, I can kind of totally get how she would say something like off the wall, because sometimes we say stuff and we're like, oh, wait, hold on. You know, so I I imagine Mm -hmm. being on live TV has to be pretty hard, but I think it's kind of funny personally. But she's reading off a prompt, you know. Oh, that's true. She She meant to say characters. Oh, Oh, that's what it is. Okay. She should have apologized. Oh, my bad. I don't think they can do that on live TV. I think they just have to roll with it. (laughs) They can't be like, oh, 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 hold on just a second. I'm sorry. My bad. I meant characters. Yeah. Indigenous humor is like no other because we just took indigenous creatures and ran with it. Like as soon as it happened to. Yeah. Like this past (laughs) week, I've been doing uh, presentations on the Cherokee core values and what they mean to us as Cherokee people. And since the humor is one of them, and we talked like we talk about how just recently, indigenous creatures, that's what we are. We went from something else to indigenous creatures, and we just rolled with it, and we just laugh about it. And so I just think Indian humor is universal. Yeah. We just all get it. Well, now that Maggie educated us, I've I got to scrap this whole paragraph about being called indigenous creatures, because if she meant to say characters and it was a boo-boo, then... Yeah. Well, if she messed up, I understand she can't correct it then, but she can send out an apology afterwards. Like people I wonder asked, if she did. She hasn't because I, I read know. the articles about it and people have asked for apologies and there's been no response yeah. from ABC News. Ah, sure. You're feisty today. <laughs> I love it. Uh, She's like, nah, nah, you got to apologize. So how have you guys been? Things have been kind of wild the last week or so since our live our episode that we did. Um, I took my team to stay and we got second, even though we had five runners across first. And then we had our female individual runner who was a state champion to die a swimmer is the North Carolina 1A state champion in cross country. So that was exciting. <laughs> yeah, running is not easy. And racing, no, it's not. racing is even harder. So... I commend these kids for working hard and eating right, drinking right, and getting enough rest because that all ties into being a good runner. You can't just run. You have to train. I don't want to brag, but, you know, in elementary school, I have many a blue ribbon for run for fun. (laughs) For field day? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That ended when I went to high school, but researching today's case, I started feeling like, how do we keep up? Because... There's so many cases and there's so many cold cases from like the 60s and 70s. A majority of them are like, she was never heard from again. There are a few details in the case. These women are literally like just walking to a friend's house or walking to town or going out with friends or just doing everyday things that we all normally do. And then they're just gone. When you look the cases up, you can never like, like they're never classified as MMIW cases or indigenous cases. So if you Google something, you really don't find anything. Can you imagine if a lot of these cases were classified correctly? 
how, like how enormous MMIW really is. It was just going through and there were just so many cases and it was all like, there's so few, there's few details. I was telling Osh this Maggie that sometimes like our cases, our episodes are getting like shorter and shorter because there's not a lot of information to go on. We do four five, six articles. It all has the same kind of information and it's like no updates or nothing. Because there's so few details in these cases, and a lot of these cases are old, decades old, who is looking for these women? Because in some cases, their parents have died, and they're just gone, and nobody's looking for them. Like, how do we, how do we keep up with how many there are? Well, it's just like going back to what you talked about a little while ago. She called us indigenous creatures. Actually, or not, we're still not getting an apology. You know, whether she meant to say it or she accidentally said it, I understand, but at least issue an apology. We're still people. We're still a culture. We still deserve that respect, you know? And so it just goes to show that Indigenous people are sometimes viewed as less than. As you guys probably have guessed, the case I'm covering today is a missing person case. Actually, it'll be eight years uh, that this woman has been missing in January. And it has all the factors that we just talked about, but it does kind of relate to an MMIW case here on the Koala Boundary. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Her name is Rita Popaki. She is one of the first instances of MMIW experienced by the Meskwaki Nation, also known as the Sac and Fox Tribe of the Mississippi in Iowa. Now, this tribe has a little over 1,400 enrolled members. And what I thought was really cool about it um, when I was researching it is they have purchased land like we do. As Iowa's only federally recognized tribe, they don't live on a reservation. It's called a settlement because they own it. Rita Papaki was only 41 years old and was a mother of four when she vanished on January 16th, 2015. Around 1 p.m. that day, she was seen leaving the Meskwaki Bingo Casino Hotel near Tama, Iowa. Uh, Now, this little town is about 75 75 miles west of Des Moines. Now, even though she was last seen in January, her family did not report her missing to the Meskwaki Nation police until about a month later uh, when she didn't show up to pick up her last paycheck from work. Now, it was explained in some of the research I did that the the delay in reporting her missing caused a lot of complications, which I can imagine. But her family saying it's not unlike her to go a few weeks at a time without talking to the family. And that's why it took so long for them to report her missing. The police did investigate as far back as possible through um, records and they were looking for like past motives or any threats to her and her safety, but they couldn't find anything. So when Rita first went missing, police originally believed that she would be in like the Des Moines or Cedar Rapids area, but the longer that she remained missing, that obviously changed. The only recent update I could find was that a post was made to the Meskwaki Nation Police Department's Facebook page last year. They're asking for information on who owned or was associated with two specific phone numbers. The number is 641-481-6004 and 641-351-0188. And of course, I'll post these on our socials, but They said it could be related to the case, but they didn't specify why. So I'm wondering how much information do they have to release this to the public? But can't police do like search like warrants and connect numbers or? Yeah, but if it was like a phone they bought at Walmart, it wouldn't have like a contract or anything with it. Oh, yeah. Like a prepaid phone. Yeah. I mean, essentially. so I don't know how much they could get, but you would think they'd be able to track back like a 
debit card or something that bought it. But then again, I guess if it was like cash or something, maybe not. So, yeah. And I'm wondering how they narrowed it down to two, these two specific numbers. So I thought that was pretty interesting. The reward for information leading to her location was just recently bumped up to $100,000. Oh my gosh. That's Um, the most I think we've ever seen for an MIW case. It said Rita's family is holding tight to memories uh, clinging to hope, and they believe somebody in the community knows something and hopes they are willing to come forward. Now, over the years, so the police department has responded to like numerous tips on where her whereabouts are, and they had frequent calls, suspicious items in the woods and other areas. Basically, the police believe that there are a select few people that have the information they're all looking for in regards to her whereabouts and where she's at. They were quoted saying they feel like they're one solid tip away from locating her. That's an issue with a lot of these cases. People are afraid to come forward with the information they know. So when I mentioned a case here on the Koala Boundary, you guys know I'm talking about Marie Walking Stick. You know, we keep bringing her up because it's an unsolved case that happened in our community. You know, and if you know something, it's time to speak out. It's been past time to speak out with Rita, with Marie. Like, what's the problem here? Because the longer it goes, the harder it is to solve. It's just interesting that they narrowed it down to two specific numbers and they're like convinced that there's somebody in their community that knows something, just like there's somebody in our community that knows something. It's just really frustrating because, I mean, in some cases, things can be black and white, but or you know, there can be some gray area. But in this, it's just right is right, wrong is wrong. And if you know something that could get a killer off the streets, let's do that. So Rita's cousin, Olivia Walker, told reports that at this point, they're just looking for the recovery of a body and that even if they don't find out what happened, that will give them at least some closure, which is sad. And I think, Maggie, you've talked about that before, just having that closure, even though you don't really know like the circumstances. I mean, you would probably still hold on hope until you found a body, you know, so I can't imagine Mm -hmm. how these families feel that never, never get a body back. Uh, Rita's family described her as a mother, not to only to her own children, but to her nieces and nephews. They said she loved to bake and she loved the holidays. Her mother, Iris Roberts, said that she was really kind hearted and she would go out of her way to help people. Iris would say that Rita could make her laugh so hard she would get stomach aches. Despite the thousands of hours of police work since uh, Rita went missing, there's been no significant leads. And the Meskwaki police are quoted saying that this was one of their most important cases because to have someone in a small community of, of a thousand people go missing is really concerning. Oh, yeah, that's a, such a small group. At this point, it's been eight years. And, you know, in this community, you're seeing her children grow up and you're seeing this family missing her. And I'm like, my God, just tell them, tell them what you know. There's just so many questions. I don't know. It's just, it's really frustrating because I came across so many cases. I thought of Ida Beard. That was a mini I did. And she literally just was like, I'm going to a friend's house and then gone. I don't know. I know a lot of this could be tied back to like trafficking, but it's just, honestly, it's just, it's really overwhelming because I know we're doing our part, bringing awareness with this podcast and telling these stories, but because there's so many, just, it doesn't feel like it's enough. Yeah, and this one just feels like with not a lot of information, how is it possible to even find her? What happened to her? And that's what's frustrating because there has to be more. There has to be more to the story, you know? And they're just not telling us or sharing it. Like Maggie said, it's just hard to imagine having that lingering hope that they're out there somewhere 
and you're just holding on to that. Yeah, and if she ran away after eight years, you'd think she would come back home or reach back out. You know what I'm saying? Something, it sounds like something may have happened to her. And somebody in that town knows. I mean, a small community of a thousand people. Come on. We uh, do our best here to to humanize these women and and really want people to understand that these women matter, that they love to bake and they love the holidays and they were just doing everyday normal things when these tragedies happened to them. There has to be more to the story. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, well, there has to be more to all these stories, but it's lack of reporting. It's lack of concern. It's authorities washing their hands. It's misclassification. It's all the things that we talk about in all of these cases. And what's frustrating is just wanting to be able to really dive in and tell these stories. And we're, ju- we're just limited on, on what we can share because the information just isn't there. Okay. So Rita Papaki is described as five foot three, weighing between 170 and 200 pounds. She has long brown hair and brown eyes. If you know where Rita Papaki might be or have information leading directly to her whereabouts, please contact the Meskwaki Nation Police Department at 641-484-4844. Or you can call the tip line at 641-484-5400. Or you can call the Tama County Dispatch at 641-484-3760. If you know something about Rita, please call the police. If you know something about Marie, please call the police. Let's, let's give these families closure. That's all I got to say. Thank you for listening to We Are Resilient. For links to information found for this episode, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at We Are Resilient Podcast. Send us an email at weareresilientpod at gmail.com or visit us at www.war-podcast.com.